Can we trust God? Should we trust God? Pastor Ray Bentley comments. Here's what I know from the Word, and here's what I know from personal experience. God is good. God is fair. God is just. God is righteous. God always does the right thing. God works all things together for good. Those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The view from an airliner is much different than the view from the ground, right? When we evaluate God's actions from ground level, we may not have the best perspective. Today, Pastor Ray helps us see that God is always just and kind, and He's fully trustworthy. Good encouragement coming our way. Jesus is going to be describing the kingdom and how the kingdom of God is going to grow even after he is gone and until he comes back. Now an interesting thing happens here beginning in verse 1 of Luke 13. It says there were present at that season some who told him, Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans? Because they suffered such things. I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. First of all, he's obviously going to the heart of the matter, which is repentance. And what is is repentance? It is not merely, you know, an emotional response where we we cry our eyes out uh, and feel bad. It's deeper than that. Repentance means that you literally change your mind. What you at once believed and were devoted to and given yourself to, you have this shocking awakening by the Holy Spirit of the truth. The blinders are taken off your eyes. You see what you had not seen before and you change your mind. That is wrong. This is evil. This isn't what I want. And you literally, it means to turn around 180 degrees, turn your back on what formerly you had embraced and then totally you're seeking the Lord. That's what repentance is. Now in that process, there can be uh, all kinds of emotions and there can be tears, but that really is not repentance. That's the response to true repentance. And so Jesus is now, they're, they're coming up to him and they're asking him some questions. And Jesus, you know, turns it right back around and asks them some questions. And they're basically saying, do you think that these things that happened, these guys that Pilate, these Jews that were killed by Pilate, uh, and then there were some other Jews who this tower fell on them, 
And there was an attitude 2,000 years ago that said when something bad happens, when calamity happens, when a disaster happens to somebody, they did something to deserve it. So they're asking him, do you think that this is an act of God's judgment because they were worse sinners than other people somehow? And um, so Jesus turns it around and, and again, he asks them a question. There was a, uh, a Jewish uh, disciple one time that asked his teacher and he said, Rabbi, why is it that every time I ask you a question, you always answer me with another question? To which the rabbi replied, so why shouldn't I? <laughs> he was always turning things around. And you notice how many times they would ask Jesus questions and he would turn right around and ask them a question. Now, this is something that, that I've observed more and more, you know, the, the longer that I've walked with the Lord and known the Lord. And here's what I find that's different between me and Jesus. Many times people ask questions and I can't, I can hardly wait to give them the answers. I am chomping at the bit to give them the right answers because I know the Lord and the word and, you know, just ask me, you know, I can tell you. And then you begin to relax a little bit and, and you, you grow a little bit and you wait and you look back and how many of you have found that sometimes when people are asking questions, they aren't really asking because they want you to answer, they're really making a statement by their question. How many have found that true? And on top of that, don't make the mistake, sometimes when people ask a question, they don't really wanna hear you talking and answering it. They're wanting to give, this is what I think. So I have noticed that Jesus was a good listener. And that's why prayer is so beautiful, man. The moment you say, Father, immediately, the Father in heaven listens whenever we call upon him, whenever we pray. And here's something that I've learned, and the simplest way I can describe it is this. Listening is a spiritual way of loving people. And that's what Jesus did. And oftentimes, to really get to the root or to the heart of an issue, they would ask a question. Well, they had already predetermined, how many times do we read? But they asked this because they wanted to bring an accusation, whatever. They're bringing an accusation. They had a predetermined place this is gonna go. So Jesus didn't get caught in that trap, but he would turn around and ask them a question and then he would wait to listen. Do you really wanna know the answer to what I'm, you know, what I've asked, or, or do you want a real answer to your question? Are you really probing or are you here provoking? Are you uh, asking a sincere question or are you trying to make a statement? You remember when Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. A lot of times, as young believers, we have a tendency of giving all these answers to people who aren't yet in a serious, tender place in their heart to really want to listen to the answers. So don't pre-give good godly answers until you have tested their hearts and know that, okay, we're, we're at a place of real listening and sincerity and they're ready to hear. Because otherwise, it, it's not going to be as powerful or effective. Now, here's a couple of the situations that have come up. Apparently, Pilate um, had done several things to annoy the Jewish people. One thing is that he brought, you know those Roman flags you'll see in movies with the big Roman symbols on them? He brought those to the Antonia Fortress, which is right next to the temple where people worship God. And you know what the Bible and the law says about icons and images of anything. 
And, and so the, the Jews would protest vehemently, fightingly, and, and even though they were greatly outmanned in number, they were willing to die to fight against this. And so then Pilate threatened, he says, if you don't let me put up these standards, I don't care what your Jewish religion says, I will, I will wipe you out, I'll kill you. And they, and they were so tenacious about defending that the, no images should be near the temple. They fought and they resisted and they rioted and they protested and he killed a bunch of them and they just wouldn't quit and give up. So finally, Pilate moved those Roman images and standards uh, from Jerusalem in the temple. He moved them all the way to the coast, Caesarea, which is where he kind of had another headquarters. He still defiantly put them in Israel, but it was a far, far place from the temple itself. Well, there was another time, ever since that happened, Pilate kind of had it in for the Jews. He didn't like them. They bugged him. He, he didn't ask probably for this post in the Roman Empire. It was a tough call to be a Roman guy wanting glory, and there you are in the Middle East. Nothing but you know troublemakers, and they're never happy, and so he got stuck there. So to get back at them, apparently Pilate had some Roman soldiers and he forced them to go in and take some of the temple money uh, so that he could finance an aqueduct that he wanted to build somewhere there in Israel. Well, the people, they just got as furious about this. Uh, you're taking money that's being given to worship God, and so they rebelled. And Pilate then had the Roman soldiers, uh, this, you know, 2,000 years ago, dress themselves like Jews, mingle in with the people, listen to them, find their plans, and then when they were ready to break out and protest, he slaughtered a bunch of them. So this is kind of, uh, you know, the, the raw, fresh news. And Galileans. Notice how they said they're Galileans. In Israel, you know how different areas are known for different things. The Galileans were from northern Israel, and they were known to be fighters. They were, they were willing to rebel. They were willing to even die you know, for, to defend God. But some of them had, you know, been killed by Pilate. And so the question that these ask is, well, you know, if what they did was, was righteous, God should have protected them. And in the fact that he let them die, again, this prevailing attitude was, well, they probably got what they deserved as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus responds by saying, do you think those guys who rebelled and then, yeah, they got taken advantage of and they, they died. Do you think they are worse sinners than you? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is obvious. No, they're no different than you. They're no greater sinners than you. Therefore, you better repent or likewise. You're going to perish. In other words, we're all going to die. We're all going to stand before God. And Jesus, you know, they, they tried to get him caught up in a political deal here. Uh, he wouldn't do it. He, he raised it above the politics. There were, some of them were trying to trap him against the Romans to get him in trouble. And he just, he brought it back to a higher standard. He said, you need to repent and you need to seek the Lord. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was my pastor, and my heart hurt when I found out that he was gone from our presence. 
I know that he is greatly missed by so many. I always appreciated how he took time to talk to people. He was just so kind and full of love. I considered him not just my pastor, but my friend. And I'm thankful that this is not goodbye, as we will see him again in heaven someday. Listener comments are so encouraging. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Then they go into this other discussion and apparently there was a tower So this moves a little bit, you know, one step removed from politics, but there's a tower in Siloam and it fell and it killed a bunch of people. So the immediate whisper and gossip was, oh, I wonder what they were doing in their lives that was so sinful and so bad that God judged them by killing them when a tower fell. And Jesus says, do you think that they were more sinful than you? Now here we are 2000 years later. And yet, human nature is still the same as it was then. You hear of an accident, you hear of a tragedy, and you know, on on a human basis, you, you wonder, I wonder if there was something maybe that was in their lives or something that we didn't know about or that God is trying to, you know, do, get even with them or, or somehow they got what they deserved. And that is, that's wrong. Jesus is saying that's wrong. We live in a fallen world. Just because somebody dies young or in an accident or a disaster or is murdered or whatever else does not make them a greater sinner in the eyes of the Lord. He doesn't really answer the question, why do disasters happen and how does this work and all of that? The Bible doesn't answer those questions that we would like to be answered. And they won't be answered until we get to heaven. And by the way, when we get to heaven, we won't need the same answers as we think we need. When we see the Lord, it's gonna explain a lot. And one thing we will know on the day of reckoning and the day of judgment, everybody will say, the righteous and even those who are judged, God was fair. God is fair. How many of you believe that God is fair? How many of you believe he's more fair than you are? Well, sometimes people stumble because they go, well, I don't understand how that could be fair. Okay, so now you're going to judge God or be angry at God because you don't understand God. Now, that's a tough place to be. I think that's pretty arrogant. I think it's far more honest and humble to say, I don't understand. And I love, again, I'll give you a a pearl of uh, wisdom that, I've always heard from my pastor, Chuck Smith, whenever you reach a situation in life that you don't understand, and it will happen to all of us, no matter how much you know of the Bible and how deep a disciple that you are, you will be confronted you know, on through life with situations that you just can't figure out and you don't understand why did this happen? And here's what he said, whenever I reach a place of, of something that I don't understand, always fall back to what you do know and what you do understand. And you know it from the word, but you should also know it by personal experience. And here's what I know from the word, and here's what I know from personal experience. God is good. God 
is fair. God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. God always does the right thing. God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I mean, there are many things that I know. God works in our lives in ways that we don't see. And how many of you even, including me, have situations that you can look back on now, no matter how long you've known the Lord, where you prejudged a situation and how it appeared that God handled it, only sometimes years later to look back and reflect and realize, oh, I guess it wasn't as I had thought, or new information comes that you didn't know. And you look at that situation entirely different now. And you look back on it and you go, wow, the Lord was actually there. The Lord was in it. The Lord was working. I just didn't see it at the time. Well, when you've had these experiences, even if you've, you're a brand new believer in the Lord, can't you bring that experience with you in your puzzlement today and say, well, I know somewhere down the road, should the Lord tarry, I'll be looking back on this day saying, wow, I have a totally different attitude, a whole different perspective because, you know, I don't have it now, but from my experience in the past, I'll be able to trust in the Lord. So Jesus makes it clear that human disasters are not signs of divine judgment. Not saying that God doesn't judge the earth, and that, but there are consequences in a fallen world, in a broken world, and in a sinful world. What he is also saying is don't judge. We are quick to judge, but don't judge. Reserve judgment for God. And he's going to be righteous and he's going to be fair in the day of judgment. Now going on in verse 6, Jesus says he spoke this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why is it using up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. The parable of the barren fig tree. The fig tree, many different places in the scriptures represents the nation Israel. It was often used as an illustration of Israel. Jeremiah 24 is one place, Hosea. Also the prophet Micah uh, talks about the fig tree. And the Lord is, is again, he is now making his final trip to his final Passover to fulfill the prophecies to go to Jerusalem and to be crucified. And he is looking for fruit upon the tree of the nation of Israel. Fruit upon the tree of the nation that would spare the nation the judgment that it deserved and that inevitably was coming. God had waited long and long suffering and with great patience, but there was not enough fruit on it at that time to spare it for judgment. And so he says, give it some more time. And, and it really has, you've got the owner of the, of the uh, vineyard and then you've got the one, the farmer, uh, who is actually working with the trees. And it's the one who is working out there with the trees who goes to the owner and says, give me a little bit more time. Maybe it will bear fruit. 
And so here we have the picture of the owner, our Father in heaven, but we have Jesus who is down among this fig tree with the nation, and he is talking with the Father, saying, Father, give more time. Even though he's being rejected, even though he is being called a blasphemer, he is, you know, they're saying he does his miracles by Beelzebub. I mean, there's, there's no fruit whatsoever. There's nothing on any human level that would tenderize the Lord's heart. And yet his heart is still tender toward the people. And he says, Father, give more time. There may yet be fruit. And you know, we find out in the end that the nation was judged, uh, even the patience of God. I mean, after the crucifixion, it wouldn't have surprised me if, you know, within several months after that, Romans came in and the temple is destroyed. And, you know, I mean, this is the crucifixion of the Son of God, the Messiah. So, you know, give them 30, 60 days and then that's it, right? But God's will was that his son came and he was crucified. And while he was crucified, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They know not what they are doing. And so there was that beginning fruit and the 3,000 that got saved and later 5,000 that got saved. But throughout the nation, it was not enough. And so it was in 70 AD, almost 40 years that God waited graciously, patiently, till finally there was no fruit nationally upon the vine and the nation of Israel was lost. God is a patient God and you know, over and over and over again, sometimes, you know, in our little human mindset, we look at how God's dealing in the world and <laughs> have you ever looked and said, God, I don't understand why you're not doing something. And we want to see God, you know, come and intervene and stop the whatever is going on that we think is wrong and God waits and God is patient. He is so patient. But there does come that line you cross and there does come that time where he says, I'm sorry, I did wait and I did give extra time and there's no fruit and then finally the judgment falls. That's what the New Testament prophets and Jesus said would happen at the end of the age. And when you look what mankind has done to mankind, even in this last hundred years, starting with World War I, and then with World War II, and then the Holocaust, and then all of the wars, and all the things that are going on, and even what's going on today, the violence, and it just seems like it will never stop. Wow. And then you think about not just the last hundred years, but the last 2,000 years. If God is our Father is proving anything, He is demonstrating to the world how patient that He is. Have you ever looked at the patience of God and just been amazed at how patient God is? But then when I think, wow, I can't believe you're so patient with the world, Lord. But then I go, boy, I sure am glad though you're patient with me. I really appreciate how patient you are with me. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with insight on the fairness and patience of God today. Studies in the Gospel of Luke here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, How the Kingdom Prevails. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. 
Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.